Susan Walker of the Toronto Star said that this movie might have been made in the 1960s, not to be released until well past its stale date. Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor called it a passable example of the British species of comedy. And Examiner.com critic Jeff Beck said of its 2010 remake, What we end up with here is the most pointless remake since Gus Van Sant made his shot-for-shot remake of Psycho. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Death at a Funeral. Re-re-reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of Ruined Childhoods. My name is Dan, and with me, my brother John. Hey, how are you, John? how's it going? I'm doing well, and how are you? I, was that your somber eulogy voice? That was my, this will be an exceptional episode. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, if we will it, then that'll that'll happen. You but know, I'm y- getting you know, into getting, getting into, into the into the vibe of the movie. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting into I was gonna say getting into the spirit, but uh, yeah, but yeah. So getting getting into the vibe. We're talking today uh, about death at a funeral, and yeah. which is not a. Uh, well, none of the versions of it are uh serious and somber, but uh, it, you know, comedy works best when you play it seriously. You know, I am excited to talk about death at a funerals because there are two of them. There's <laughs> and well, there's what's more that? than two. That is true. That is true. But but we there's will... two that we're focusing on today because neither of us speaks Hindi. Uh, right, exactly. In order to understand, and yeah, I am. I I'm not sure if the Hindi remake is uh is Daddy Cool uh is is streaming anywhere. So um, but yeah, we're talking about Death at a Funeral today, and uh, we'll get into that. But first, yeah, well, first, uh, you know, we are recording this on May 26th, and today is the day that we found out that uh Ray Liotta passed away. Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta of, good. I mean, Goodfellas, most notably Field of Dreams, Dominic and Eugene, Karina, Karina, uh, The Many Saints of Newark. Uh, also, uh, as John and I are both uh, from Cranford, New Jersey, originally in Union County, and Ray Liotta was from Union, New Jersey. So there was that connection. He also happened to work at a Cranford pizzeria. Did he really? uh, He worked at Pizza House. Did? I didn't know that. He worked at Pizza House. And Pizza House, All like any of our Cranford listeners right now, are either saying, like, yes, they read that today, or (laughs) they're just happy. (laughs) Yeah, because on the Cranford patch, there's, you know, Ray Liotta's, it's it's like, you know, Goodfellas and Field of Dreams star also worked at Cranford Pizzeria. And you know, and I also want to mention that uh, if anybody here is or was a viewer of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Pizza House was featured in an episode called The Trouble with Teddy from season three. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, some things you just remember, Dan, and that was one of them for me. 
Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, not, um, Ray Liotta was not in that. Uh, but Ray Liotta. No, but that is the pizzeria at, in which he at yeah. which he worked. And Dan, he worked I was there wondering, in like the 70s, I think. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. What is your favorite? I'd say Ray Liotta performance or movie featuring Ray Liotta. Goodfellas. Okay. Good. I, I mean, look, maybe there's another Ray Liotta film that I'm not thinking about that maybe I like better than Goodfellas, but I like Goodfellas better than most movies. I know this. I know you and I do not share a common fondness for the Martin Scorsese mafia uh, films. No, but I under I I appreciate his performance in Goodfellas. I. I know it's a great performance. It's just that the movie doesn't really draw my attention the way that others might. Um, I was in a, I was, I went to get a drink once with my buddy Caesar. Hey Caesar, hope you're listening. Oh, and past guest Scarface like, went, went to uh, Scarface and Zorro and Zorro, right? Yeah, yeah, a two two time two time guest. So uh, Caesar Gracia and I, we were having a drink at uh, a tiki bar on uh, in like Lower East Side in Manhattan, just sitting there. And, you know, every now and again, you like, you glance at the TV, but he and I, you know, we're chatting, we're chatting. And the next thing you know, one of us, I think he probably noticed Goodfellas was on. And like, we just sat at the bar watching hey. Goodfellas. I'm like on TNT, nonetheless. Yeah. So <laughs> like, 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 you know, um, like, you know, oh, you had a bad week, flip you, pay me. Well, I, and I believe that it's the uh, Mr. Show sketch, I, uh, I forget exactly what they called it instead of Goodfellas, but they had a edited for television movie that was supposed to be Goodfellas. And I think that it was making fun of specifically how Goodfellas was adapted for TNT. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, one of them instead of... Um, you it's like you motherfucking blah 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 blah. They said you mother father Chinese dentist, and that's the <laughs> one that always sticks out. And they have like the scene where they're sitting around and they're you know being served pasta or whatever, and I uh, just the like instead of blurring a middle finger, they like replace it with like a thumbs up. It's just so good. <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, but Ray Liotta, Dan. I was wondering. What's your? What, I'm sorry. What's what's your favorite? Oh, Le- I would there? have to say, my favorite is the movie Wanderlust. Dan, have you seen Wanderlust? Yes, I watched it on. Do you remember a plane? Ray Liotta's appearance in it? No, I don't because I okay. didn't only watch. I watched it on a plane, uh, oh. among other things that I was on on that plane. So got it. Uh I highly recommend, you know, directed by David Wayne. It's, you know, featuring a lot of the the state people and yeah. uh, Paul Rudd, Jennifer Aniston. It's fantastic. And Ray Liotta has a really fascinating cameo. And so I very much encourage everyone to to check it out. I don't think he has any lines uh, no, I think but, I think Ray Liotta maybe had done a few. It's it's ringing a vague bell. Yeah, but I I think he he did a lot of that. It, it was it's so funny. Um, and I I also just want to ask you a question because Dan, you mentioned earlier that we're brothers, and I um was certainly very familiar with you know your 
your bedroom walls growing up, which were wallpapered essentially in uh, these kind of one sheet for one sheets from different movies that were coming out, pulled out of Premiere Magazine. And uh, uh, allow me to make a correction. Magazine. These were all movies that I had seen. The rule was it didn't okay. go up on the wall until I saw it. Okay, that's fair. That would be fraud. And you otherwise. also did have some other, I think, just posters. I think that there were a few posters. I had some full-size posters. Right. And I had, I could probably tell you with some of those. I had a full-size poster of Career Opportunities. <laughs> With Frank Walley and Jennifer Connelly. I feel- uh, I had a Jennifer Connelly crush. Oh, who didn't? Um, and then I think you I think you also had a full-size Terminator 2. I don't believe so. You don't believe so? I don't, I don't think I had okay, a full-size Okay, so Dan, I feel like at some point on your door, and you and I had doors that were like adjacent to one another. Catty-cornered. Catty-cornered. Well, no, 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 because then that would be like across the hall, but diagonally- Oh, oh, yeah. right. So yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, did you have a poster with Ray Liotta on it, like his face really big poster or premiere cut out to your to your recollection? Just like a big sexy like Ray Liotta? I, just like thing. his face was maybe prominent in it because for some reason I have like a very striking memory of just his like piercing eyes and being really like... I don't know, like, I, it would always draw my attention. I, and of course, that's, you know, Ray Liotta. It's one of his signature features, you know, his, the, those eyes. You know, not that I, I, I really, I, not that I can think of. And I feel like at some point you maybe had something on your door that, with Ray Liotta on it. I'm trying to think of what else I would have had with because it wasn't Goodfellas in fact the the premier magazine Goodfellas no it wasn't sheet, Goodfellas oh no 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 because I could tell yeah. you what happened to that one because when I I was into like buying those like screenplays off of like those mm. pirated screenplays off like you know uh tables and you know uh the Greenwich Village and things like that and I had a Goodfellas screenplay and I put it in a binder and I pasted the premiere add oh. <laughs> to the front of the binder it still exists i think i actually i think i gifted it to a student who is a aspiring screenwriter interesting yeah okay yeah so uh no not not i cannot recall that there was a uh okay ray liotta face either um it's you know a, a memory that i have that's been altered over the course of time uh, perhaps I have some Ray Liotta trauma that I'm that I'm working through right now <laughs> while we're recording this podcast, oh, or uh, it never happened, or you're just not remembering any specific Ray Liotta movie poster that maybe you had on the wall. No, I'm I'm checking IMDb right okay. now. Looking well, Dan. While while you are checking IMDb, I have a question for you, and this is um, I don't know if I'd consider this news or a one more thing but this relates to a movie that we have talked about before and this isn't news because it's not news this is something that's you know uh it, it's been a thing it's just i only found out about it today dan are you familiar with a movie in production called guns three you're looking at me with a blank stare oh no i know what you're talking about 
Full title, Guns 3, colon, alias Billy the Kid. Yep. Oh, yeah. Sure enough, because I follow uh, Joe, uh, uh, Joe Fusco on- Oh, uh, the writer. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, okay. I, I followed him on, on Twitter, and uh, especially when we were doing our our episode, our, our Young I, Guns I don't episode. recall that we talked about Guns 3. No? I don't believe so. Because I saw that and I was very surprised because there's no information about any of the plot details or anything. And it's only on a few websites. None of the like bigger web, none of the bigger like movie trade websites or anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest one that I saw it on was Looper, which I think is still uh, a little bit of a lower rung. You know, a Looper, uh, a caddy. What's that? Bill Murray, Caddyshack, a Looper. Um. So I, you know, I saw it somewhere on, on Instagram and then I dug a little bit further and the only cast that it says is uh, Christian Slater, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and Emilio Estevez, who is also a co-writer and director. So uh, very curious to see what happens. Uh, clear, I love that it's just called Guns 3 because he's just like, well, we're not, we're not young. <laughs> Right. No one's young in this. You can't call them old just, guns. Just guns. Uh, John, if I may for a moment, yeah. um, uh, take a couple of steps back here sure. uh, to the Ray Liotta poster Please. question. I actually think I might have some answers here. Ooh. And I don't recall if I had a full-sized poster. Oh, tell me what it. it is, and I'm going to look it up and see if it's the one. Check out Unlawful Entry. Actually, if you <laughs> go on IMDb and you look at Ray Liotta on IMDb. I prefer not to go on IMDb because oh. it's very bloated. Okay. So anyway, I'm just saying uh I don't because remember, I don't because see. Article 99 and Unlawful Entry are next to each other in his filmography and I think I at least had the premiere ads for both of those. Article films. 99. Article 99, I mean I haven't seen it in a long time, but that was a good movie about uh, they're working in a VA hospital. It's oh, Kiefer Sutherland and Ray yeah. Liotta. You know, I don't think it's either of these because I remember it really just being Ray Liotta's face. But it's but if you look at the poster for Unlawful Entry, so you got like Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe on the bottom left, but like behind them is just big Ray oh, Liotta's you know face it with his eyes. It might have been that. I, it might have been Unlawful Entry. I would, which be would have willing... been a funny thing to put on your door. <laughs> Which which actually might have occurred to me at the time, so maybe I did. If you I know, had a full size poster of that it would have been like I went to Blockbuster and was like, "Oh, can I have that?" When, like when you're ready to throw it out. And you know, I'm also looking at um, different versions of it, and I'm gonna just gonna put this one up to the camera here so you can see. Yeah, that's the, the one I'm talking about. Yeah, okay, because some of or the other ones, to, the other one, the one that I was thinking of has like the orange font. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. I think that's got, I think it's definitely, yeah, it's unlawful entry. Okay. Yeah. Was that, okay. Yeah. I'm glad, glad we solved that problem. But oh, other, other great Ray Liotta performances before we move on as I'm look, as I'm scrolling through and I can't, I can't believe I forgot about Copland, Copland. Oh, great movie. 1997 Copland. Well, and I want to say the only, it's possible the only Ray Liotta movie that we've talked about is Hannibal. Yeah, it looks that way. Yeah, Hannibal. Um, we in which we talked about he yeah. has quite the 
climactic scene in that movie. Yeah, there's an unlawful entry into his skull. Yeah. <laughs> now I kind of want to watch Unlawful Entry. It looks like a good movie. I don't think I've I ever seen it. I mean, I remember it being a really good thriller. He's, it's like Kurt Russell and Madeline Stowe. There's like a break in at their house, and Ray Liotta's like the cop, but then Ray, Li- he like gets obsessed. Huh. With, interesting. With, yeah. It was like a really good, like early 90s adult thriller. The, those 90s thrillers, man, they just hit different. 19, it's like 1992, like the unlawful injury, single white female, yeah. whole, uh, all, all those movies. But, yeah. oh yeah, you know what movie, when you mentioned the cameo, he does a great cameo in Date Night with Steve Carell and Tina Fey. Does he's he really? A, yeah, he's got a funny cameo in in that. You know, uh, I, I know that they are... Not the same movie, but they have similar names. I rewatched the movie Game Night last night. I saw that it was um, on sale on uh, on iTunes, so I purchased it because it's never it's not streaming anywhere on any of the services really. And I was like, I that's a movie that I just like to watch, and it is so damn funny. It's a cleanser. It's a good it's cleanser. So it's a good. good I mean, you know, we're recording this, uh, you know, during the week. There's a uh, terrible, tragic oh, shooting yeah. in in Texas this week. And I think that, you know, have those uh, game night is one of those movies that you want to have on hand for when for when you need that, when the world is just so tragic and yeah. you need something to just, I'm like, I just, like, I almost, I, it didn't happen, but I almost put on the Big Lebowski at uh, some point yesterday. Cause that's like, that's kind of my go to for when I'm like, I need something that's going to make me smile. And yeah. Big Lebowski does it every time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's just something about game night where I, I don't know, it's just a very well balanced movie. And the comedy in it is so specific and, and bizarre. And like Jesse Plemons, delivering as always and uh, you know jason bateman in a really funny jason batemany role i feel like there's there's so many great jason bateman performances where he's not able to kind of flex that muscle in the same way and then rachel mcadams just being completely mm-hmm. perfect with some of her line deliveries oh it's a good movie beautiful i you know it made me think of jason bateman in, in bad words i that I like that movie. Which he directed. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. So uh, talking about good movies, yeah. let's talk about Death at a Funeral. Okay. Let's <laughs> talk about Death at a Funeral. <laughs> I'm going to start off with just a synopsis because it's really a two-sentence synopsis. Because this is one where, first of all, we are talking, I feel, equally about the 2007 and the 2010 versions. Because... I, they're so close together that it's it's hard to really call it a remake instead of just like another attempt. Like I mean, a- I've, I I actually feel like it's 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 almost like the most remakey remake. It's there it's could a, be because they're, they're I mean it's like the it's the same screenwriter and right no 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 I feel like copy it's just paste. but right but the thing is I feel like it's just other people doing the same thing so it's almost like uh you know uh the originating cast of Book of Mormon and then like a few years later when there's like a cast rotation and maybe there's been a few tweaks 
It's not a remake. It's still the same thing, but it's just slightly different. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, there, of course, we're going to we're going to discuss yeah. that because uh, the proximity of the remake uh, 2010 uh, based on a 2007 original uh, the proximity of the remake, the similar, the, the, like, it not like more than similarities, just the sameness yeah. of them. But also I, I, I feel differently about them and we will get oh, to that for sure. So my synopsis is a family at odds comes together at the funeral of an exceptional man. His oldest son tries to keep things together while dealing with a famous, but cheap brother, a cousin whose fiance is on hallucinogens, and a man claiming to be his father's secret lover. That is my synopsis, Dan. So I feel like, you know, you're shrugging and smiling. <laughs> there's not and much more to say. There's not much more to say uh, without either giving things away or just like getting too in the weeds. Yeah, yeah. So the 2007 cast is, you know, the foundation is the character Daniel, uh, the the son of Edward, the exceptional man, and that is uh, Matthew McFadden, television's uh, Tom Wamsgans, uh, in a in a very different role from both that or, and uh, Mr. Darcy. The I think is the two roles he's known best for, and uh, you know he's kind of just like I don't know, baby faced and soft spoken and unsure of himself, and uh, Matthew McFadden. I feel like having, like after having seen him in succession, I could watch him do anything and just know like, oh, I understand that this guy has got the goods. Mm -hmm. He's just so wonderful. Yes. Um, also in the cast is Rupert Graves as his brother. Uh, we have uh, Andy Nyman, Chris Marshall. Uh, Peter Dinklage plays the the secret lover. Um, we have uh, Alan Tudyk as the fiance on hallucinogens, um, which is always he, great. To, always great to see Alan Tudyk. He's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I want to. We'll, we'll get through this, and then I have so much more to say about some of these performances, especially his. <laughs> yeah, we have um, Daisy Donovan uh, as his fiance, uh, Ewan Bremner, uh, Peter Vaughn, uh, who is the. The elderly and curmudgeonly Uncle Alfie. Uh, who else do we have? Jane Asher, Peter Egan. Yeah, it's a a lot of actors that are more known to British audiences. Your, you know, your crossovers for American audiences: Peter Dinklage and Alan Tudyk, of course, who are both. American, yeah, uh, and you and Bremner, who people who audiences would remember most likely from Train Spotting. I mean, he's done more yes. than Train Spotting, but to me, he's he'll always be Spud from Train Spotting. Absol he's absolutely yes, yeah. yeah. No, there's a lot of people he'd be like, I've seen like I feel like Rupert Graves is one where you're just like, I've seen him in a ton of things, but I had just recently watched The Madness of King George, oh. which he's in, so I was glad i had i had some reference because he definitely would have been one of those like where have i seen him before right yeah I know his, i've seen his name in credits before yeah yeah for sure and um just to kind of give the 2010 parallel so uh in the matthew mcfaden role the names are different so in the matthew mcfaden role we have chris rock uh who i felt was really good i really liked him in it i thought he was i thought he was great uh, the, the uncle Alfie 
<laughs> version in this one is Uncle Russell. That's played by Danny Glover. Uncle Albert. Uncle Russell's the other one. Uncle Russell's Zoe Saldana's father. I, oh, I, I thought I said Uncle Al- Uncle Alfie. Uncle Alfie is the one in the British version. Yeah, Danny that's Glover's what I'm Uncle Uncle Albert, not Uncle Russell. Uncle Russell is played by I forget the name of the actor. He's the doctor. He's the one who's according the, to Wikipedia. Danny Glover is Uncle Russell. Wikipedia is wrong. Okay. It is Wikipedia. I Wikipedia is uh, yeah, notoriously. Incorrect. Fair enough. Um, so Peter Dinklage plays the same role in both. Uh, we do have James Marsden as the fiance who's on hallucinogens with Zoe Saldana as his uh, fiance. Um, Tracy Morgan plays a character named Norman, who is a like a friend of the family, and in the original in the british version of that one that's andy nyman whose character's name is howard and it's interesting to see tracy morgan in a role like this because it is not the the outlandish outspoken uh confident character that uh tracy morgan normally plays it is very much the opposite so uh, i mean outlandish sure but circumstantially outlandish. I have, I have my feelings. You have your feelings. Uh, and then we have Martin Lawrence who plays Ryan. Who's the, the, uh, the brother, the, the one who's the, um, the novelist. And I'm sorry, I got myself mixed up. Uh, Danny Glover did play uncle Russell. I, I'm going to blame, uh, lack of sleep. (laughs) You are so sure of yourself. And you besmirched the good name of Wikipedia. Did I ever tell you what I did to show my students that Wikipedia is is not reliable? <laughs> What'd you do? I created a five-minute video during which I created a Wikipedia account, went onto our high school's Wikipedia page, and added bullshit. Okay. It still is there today. <laughs> That's why kids go to come to our school expecting there to be a secret pool on the roof and that you can only open the gate uh, with a key made from a wildcat bone. Wildcat is our mascot. Ah, so, gotcha. Uh, oh, yeah. and also in the the 2010 version, we do have Keith David as the the reverend, the impatient reverend, uh, and we also have oh, we have Luke Wilson, who's the uh, Spud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, we have Kevin Hart as the the person who comes to deliver the casket at the beginning. It's like the funeral director. Funeral or... director, yeah. And, you know, this is 2010, so this is still early in the, you know, Kevin Hart mania. So, or pre-Kevin Hart mania. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of just like a, hey, this guy is really funny. How can we use him? It's like, yeah. I don't know, the guy who delivers the body? Yeah. Basically, yeah, that's kind of how I felt a lot of the the casting was there. Right. So, Dan, tell me a little bit about your thoughts about these. Well, tell me what you thought, what you thought about the 2007 version. Let's just start there. Okay. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'm a fan of British comedy and I'm a fan of Frank Oz. Yeah, it's directed by Frank Oz. And I, I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. I don't think it's going to be become. I don't think it's going to become my my go to my game night, my Big Lebowski. Yeah. Uh, and 
I think what works what worked about it for me was that it was all of these things happening and the very the British and you can tell these people are 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 you know uh, they they have money they're you know maybe not like loaded they're we're not talking Downton Abbey here but although that would be hilarious if they did death at a funeral Downton Abbey if they're looking <laughs> to round out that cinematic trilogy there's your next remake that was yeah, there we go uh <laughs> episode over no um <laughs> Uh, death at Downton Abbey. Uh, but I thought, so I thought that the situations were, uh, were amusing. I thought Alan Tudyk uh, was wonderful and his anxiety from the beginning leading then into the, uh, you know, where he's accidentally given this hallucinogenic with his girlfriend, right. uh, Martha believing that it's, it's Valium, um, just to calm her- his nerves. Because her uh, f- farm, her uh, pharma- pharmaceutical student brother, uh, you know, is concocting these uh, these crazy drugs and putting them in Valium bottles. But um, and I like that that, it, that they kind of keep that up throughout it. Actually, you know, I, I kind of do want to talk about it in comparison with the the sure. twenty ten. Yeah. So, and, and this is what what I liked better about it and there were and uh so first of all the right i think chris rock does a really uh a really nice job as as aaron um and there's the tension is nice between he and martin lawrence you know because aaron and aaron 2010 daniel 2007 are these you know aspiring writers who don't let anyone see their writing and their brother is is a like an author, but of like pop, more like you know popular yeah. like beach reads. And I thought that the uh, a lot of like the the interactions, like there's one scene where uh, Daniel and and Robert are arguing. I think it was when they're. Um, when he was when when they're when they're kind of letting it all out and and the one is like, well, you left, you took off, you're all in New York and you can't even give me the money and mm-hmm. and all that. And he's like, well, like you don't let anybody see your writing. What is what's going to happen? Is it going to be published posthumously? And I thought that the British version, it, it played so it felt so real. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas in uh in the 2010 it felt more like oh we're gonna have a chris rock martin lawrence diss off here uh i'm also i i also am admittedly not a big martin lawrence fan i i i really like i like many people in the cast um you know loretta divine who plays their right, mother we didn't mention loretta divine which which also is a big is another difference that i thought i i felt that the 2010 the 2007 version stays just on the side of reality whereas the 2010 yeah. version goes beyond and right. and there's a lot like the loretta like loretta divine's character the, the mother is overtly favoring the the brother yeah. the successful yeah. brother and really kind of shits on Aaron whereas in in the british one the mother is definitely oh and part and uh, a part of the plot is that daniel/aaron slash Aaron, um 
is the older child. They're going to give the eulogy, but they're not the famous writer. So, of course, everybody is like, oh, I thought Robert was going to give. Oh, I thought Ryan was. Oh, it's too bad. And the 2010 version goes a lot further with that. And Loretta Devine is just like she's abusive. She's like emotionally abusive. She's (laughs) very over the top in her performance. And I feel like that style works in a lot of her other films. Yeah. But in this, it kind of just seems at a little out of place. Right. It felt it, it it didn't feel authentic, whereas in in uh 2007 it it felt authentic and it there's, wasn't there's more of a British passive aggression. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um so I thought that worked well. I felt that and I thought James Marsden did he did his best. He did his best That's fine. But the whole like he just didn't come off. At, I, mean, I think watching it after watching Alan Tudyk, it was. I was like, I believe that guy because he looks petrified. Like James Marsden looks like he's having the time of his life. He's naked on the roof. He's being and he's, silly. He's being he's being silly. It's very amusing, but. I felt that the anxiety and that like I'm on really heavy drugs and I'm already an anxious person, but oh, look at this. I can let the spit come out of my mouth and then yeah. suck it back up. <laughs> I, yeah. But but you can like the look on his face while he's doing that even is he's amused, but he's also petrified. And yes. that he doesn't lose that throughout. I thought Coming to uh, to the character of in the British one, Howard, and in uh, the American version, Norman, again, I I bought it from, uh, it was Andy Nyman. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, right. The friend, so, the, uh, and, and we're talking about the, um, the sorry, friend, the, the Tracy Morgan. Tracy role. Morgan role. Yeah. yeah. Which, okay. So- Here's something has always bothered me with Tracy Morgan's performances. I would say maybe outside of some SNL, uh-huh. but even 30 Rock, which I, I love. I think it, I think with 30 Rock, it was more like Tina Fey found a way to make it work. And I want to be careful in how I say this. <laughs> But, well, while you're thinking of a way to say no, it. No, I know how to say it. Okay. I'm just being cautious here. But a lot of times, Tracy Mor- I want to see Tracy Morgan play a dramatic role. Because every time I see Tracy Morgan, I'm not going to impersonate his voice. And right. Because it comes across as minstrelly. Mm-hmm. It rem- he, rem- he reminds me of a character in a minstrel show and it's uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable in death at a funeral. And it was the scene when he's, when, when uncle Russell, Russell, Danny Glover is trying to get into, to use the bathroom in the study where they've got Peter Dinklage tied up and they think he's dead. And they're, and Tracy Morgan is behind the door and he's trying to, you know, stall and cover. 
and he's making these big exaggerated footsteps and he's like, I'm coming. And he's, I, I, I can't do, I can't impersonate yeah. the voice. I feel yeah. wrong even thinking about it. If you look up old, if you go on YouTube and you look up old minstrel shows or even like, like Amos and Andy, uh, which basically comes from, from minstrel entertainment. I feel like that's what I'm watching when I watch Tracy Morgan. Mm. And I don't want to because I feel like Tracy Morgan has more talent than that. He just that's kind of what he does when he's when he, like when he says like cuz I know you have to do do. Yeah, you know, uh here's here's my thoughts on on Tracy Morgan. I I appreciate who he is and his style for what it is. And I'm glad that it exists in this world, and I feel like he has a signature style. And it is entirely possible that some of that does come from, you know, a lot of the, uh, I guess, uh, less than <laughs> positive, uh, you know, it's portrayals. Yeah, it's character. It's outdated stereotype right. character. But what I will say is that I know from hearing interviews with him that he is a very authentic person, especially after his accident where he was hit by a truck. Uh, right. And, you know, he certainly has a really positive perspective on comedy. And, uh, you know, that's kind of like what he says, like, saved his life is just like, you know, once he was able to, you know, he was afraid he was never going to be funny again. And I, I, I really feel like there's um, a true passion behind what he does. And even if it's not necessarily my favorite type of performance, and I understand, Dan, what you're seeing in his performances, um, I feel like there is you know, a time and place for uh, some of what his style is. I do think that he is not right, especially in this role. Um, I could see him maybe more in the Ryan role, the brother, um, somebody who could be more over the top. Uh, you know, I could see that working just because I don't know. And I and I I do appreciate that he was cast in a role that's so against his typical type. Except uh, that he turned it into his typical type. Well, yes, maybe, in mo- I don't in know, moments, maybe he didn't. But. In moments, but like, you know, his character is a pushover. And his character is, you know, very much a buffoon. And it's never, you know, it's not like a redeemed type of thing. But what I do want to say is that it was hard for me not to think about one of my favorite jokes in 30 Rock about Tracy Morgan's character, Tracy Jordan, uh, who does do black versions of white movies, which the 2010 Death at Funeral very much is, because Mm -hmm. the 2007 one is a very white movie, and the 2010 one, you know, has a lot of those roles cast uh, with, with black actors, and in 30 Rock, he there's this joke that he, that he was in this movie a um a black version of an affair to remember called a Blaffair to remember black. And when I was and I think it's such a the way that he says it on 30 Rock 
always makes me laugh. Just thinking about it makes me laugh. And it's just so funny because like this is very much exactly what his character on 30 Rock would have been doing. Well, right. And for, but for me, 30 Rock was the perfect channeling of that Tracy Morgan char- like that Tracy Morgan uh comedy, that Tracy Morgan style into a character. And that show was so surreal to begin with. Yeah. It it fit. Sure. Yeah. I think that this movie is still trying to play it is is trying to play things realistically. The the director uh, is Neil Labute, who mm-hmm. uh, you know, best known for things like your friends and and neighbors mm-hmm. and um oh I'm I'm bl- nurse Betty. Uh, right. In fact, one of the reviews I had read suggested that maybe the 2010 version would have been better had Neil Labute rewritten the script. I yeah, I think that uh, kind of going off of a, a different script would have been would have been better. There was like there were only like a few changes that you know to them, and what's interesting is like some of the shots are identical. Like it's that much of a carbon copy. But what um, what I didn't like was this addition that they made to the 2010 version where Martin Lawrence's character, Ryan, the entire time has his eyes set on a teenager who's a friend of daughter of a friend of the family. Oh, cringy. Very cringy because he's 40 in this, maybe, maybe even older. And... This is a this is somebody who they're acknowledging has just turned 18. Okay, John, you're 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 nailing the segue here and you didn't even know it because my qualm with both of these movies and there's a touch of that in the 2007. It is I don't even remember it. There's it's it's like one little part where okay. where uh, Robert is just like, oh, well, she grew up. And uh, it's not like at the spoiler alert, at the end of the 2010 version, this teenage girl who just turned 18 the week before pulls up in her convertible to take uh, Ryan to, to the airport. And that, and th- my problem is some of the things that we are playing for laughs in yes. these movies, in both of them. And there's, and especially the, uh, I would say homophobic aspect of it. Right. Which does, I think, play better in the British version because you have that that I that sense of like the British uh, you know, stiff upper lip uh it, I still didn't I still wasn't like comfortable. I still didn't love it. Yeah. So to kind of explain that a little bit, so Peter Dinklage plays the secret lover of the now deceased and is blackmailing the family or or notably the the eldest son so daniel the matthew mcfadden character or um i'm blanking Aaron. aaron the chris rock character um for a certain amount of money or else he's going to show everybody these photos of the two of them together that are of a uh an intimate nature and in the British version, I, and I think that also, uh, so Peter Dinklage plays the same character in both of them. 
And he clearly has adapted his acting style to kind of match the vibe of the different movies. Mm-hmm. And I see what you're saying about the the homophobia feeling different. I feel like in the 2007 version, um, I don't read it as much as homophobia uh, because there's... It's not that they are disapproving of the the idea that their father was gay or bisexual. They're, you know, the shock is that he was cheating on their mother and having this secret relationship that she can't find out about. Because the way that Matthew McFadden plays his response, because he is at the center of this, is, you know, a, a panicked but trying to keep it together uh, kind of demeanor because the, there's a subplot where his wife is uh, not pressuring, but insisting that he put down this down payment on a new flat for them. And so if he was to pony up this money that uh, Peter Dinklage's character says is owed to him, not so much as in like he lent money, but more in the sense that he wasn't included in the will, but should have been, which I feel like was made him feel like extra slimy. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Did, and that was in both of them. Yeah. It didn't, I it wasn't, didn't, yeah, that didn't yeah. sit well with me either. Yeah. He was just like taking advantage of them. And instead of it being like a, because when you first see him, he's like being very polite to, Daniel, Matthew McFadden's character, and he's not being pushy about it until that moment where things finally come out. And it's almost like, you know, because there's pushback about him kind of being recognized as this important person in their father's life, he's kind of like his hand is being pushed a little bit to take it to that extra level. Whereas in the 2010 version, it's almost like he gets there a lot faster and it's like, that's always the motive. Yeah. 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 And I don't know if that's necessarily a, an actor choice or a director choice, but I don't know. Yeah. So that, that was uncomfortable. And I mean, there's a, and there's a, there are a couple of jokes about his height and, the script was not originally written for that character to be played uh, by, um, and I'm I'm forgetting what the technical term is it for the type of dwarfism. A little person. Yeah, I, I don't. Is that okay now? I, last I heard. Last you heard. Okay. Um, you know, but then they cast Peter Dinklage because he's awesome, and yeah. you know, threw threw in a couple of things. So that you know, that didn't bother me as much but the whole and in the 2010 you're right i agree there's there's more of the homophobic vibe in 2010 whereas in 2007 it's more of the 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 shock of oh this uh like my father had a a, a male lover on the side what it's almost like as if this day could get any worse right and like the 2010 version they like they play like the dream girls thing the it's like here's us at the premiere of dream girls you know, yeah. which was uh, like I chuckled, but it's also like, uh, OK, all right. Well, that was an easy one for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, I think my my biggest problem with both of these is um, is the script. I think that 
the cast and 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 directors do their do their best with it. Yeah. Especially in 2007. Yeah. But yeah, and and I guess I was what I was what I was um oh, and you know another big change in the remake uh involves the character um in in the remake played by Luke Wilson in the original played by Ewan Bremner. Right. Where he's this guy who in, in, in the 2007 version, like he had a one night stand right. with, yeah. with the, um, Martha and, sure. uh, and now he's like basically trying to hook up with her again. So he's coming to this funeral. Uh, and in the 2010, He's invited by her father, uh, and Zoe Saldana right. plays her. The, uh, yeah, the father wants her to be with him because he is, you know, they're like, they do business deals together and stuff like that. Like, he's more successful and more established. Yeah, yeah and I didn't, and it was like there was more of a history between them in the 2010 Whereas in the 2007, it was more of a, oh, your cousin Martha's going to be there. Oh, we had an awesome night like yeah. six months ago or, or a year ago. Uh, yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, you know, oh, let me see if we can make that happen again. Uh, and also the Ewan, Ewan Bremner just being Ewan Bremner. It, 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 again, it's more realistic. Yeah. He has a vibe to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah with luke wilson i feel like it's so against type in a lot of ways that you know he's you know i i totally see him as the you know more like successful better better choice than the guy who's naked on the roof freaking out um but then when it gets to be to a point where it's like very assaulty where he oh. yeah forces himself on on Zoe Saldana that uh, that thing's get a little uh, well, unsavory a- after he chats with Uncle Russell <laughs> yes uh, and takes his advice which I I gotta say I did enjoy Danny Glover in this I thought Danny Glover had a lot of great lines he of course busts out his I'm too old for this shit yeah I guess he's got to yeah yeah but I. Yeah, I, I I guess I always enjoy Danny Glover, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah. Oh, and then the, there's this whole thing where there there's the the feces humor in it, where yeah. where the the character Uncle Alfie, Uncle Russell, uh, you know, basically poops on Howard slash Norman's. <laughs> this hand. is so confusing. <laughs> it is so, and it and and it's so much bigger in. The where it's Tracy Morgan, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, whereas in the other one, like it, it it just it it played into the character of Howard's anxiety, and also Mm -hmm. he's he's going on about this this patch, um, on his on his hand the whole time, and then like he just he forgets about that after he gets shit on himself. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, so Dan. I feel like we're best to just move on and talk about what we would do with this movie. What do you think? Okay. All right. So um I'll I'll go ahead. Uh 
So going into these movies, I hadn't seen them before. And knowing knowing what I knew about them, my impression was that the remake would take the situation of this funeral gone wrong and take it out of the setting of that upper crust British culture and bring it to an American African set in America, African-American family. And like I imagined almost like a, a soul food type movie where where you would where it's like, OK, so this is how this situation would go over with this culture in, the, you know, sure, because because like, look, I, I they're just like with my big fat Greek wedding, you know, like we can all enjoy them. But if you're Greek, you're going to appreciate that a hell of a lot more. Uh huh. If you're so I thought I was like, oh, this is a really interesting idea and concept to play with the idea of death and secrets and sibling rivalry things that are i would say universally re relatable maybe not the sibling mm -hmm. rivalry part but that's maybe not universally related but relatable but you know i don't know very relatable um it, and i thought like oh this would, that would be really interesting and and a way that you know it's when you go see a movie that that represents your culture uh -huh. and you're like yes um oh well, yes that right and and sorry to interrupt but the it's not that they didn't make it different enough it almost looks like they shot it at the same exact location yeah yeah no and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't what i wanted it wasn't what i wanted it to be because I I think I wanted something like more I I mean I can't go ahead and call this call it like inauthentic but why not take that idea and apply it in different as uh you know as was done in uh in India with the yep. uh, the Hindi version, which I I didn't see it. Maybe it's maybe it's again like word for word, shot for shot. Yeah. But that's so that my one so my one idea since that didn't happen was like, okay, like all right, yeah, I would you know we grew up in a Jewish family, extended Jewish family, and we uh you know certainly have a uh, a connection to any I mean I feel it's like any movie I think of about Jewish families it's like Woody Allen is involved and like well damn it I'm 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 not going to watch his work anymore I mean quick, there's Neil Simon but uh, quick so, quick si quick yeah. sidebar quick sidebar I uh, when I I saw the news about Ray Liotta I was like Oh, I want, I'm curious to know uh, if he was a sleaze or not. And I, of course, when I looked that up, I saw that he was like a Woody, he's like a Woody Allen defender. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I don't see any like me too dings or anything like that, but. Yeah. 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 Um. So that was, so my, so my, my one idea is why not actually adapt this idea 
not just copy and paste and then make some changes, but why not actually, um, you know, and actually have, you know, writers and directors who have had those experiences, who are of those cultures. Yeah. Do it. I mean, like, look, the Safdie brothers uh, are not necessarily known for comedy, but I, I would be <laughs> like, you know, their their uh, portrayal of, uh, you know, of Judaism in uh, at least in Uncut Gems, which so far is the only film yeah. of theirs that I've seen. Uh, I, I need to to make up because Uncut Gems is excellent. Uh, yeah. But thinking about uh, thinking about that, like, OK, so I would like to see. Um, you know, Jewish writers and filmmakers do, uh, you know, set in a Jewish family and I, the same for other other cultures as as well. So. There's that that's kind of where I would go in terms of the of remakes. Now, what I think would work better would be a musical. Huh, okay. I think this, I mean, imagine I'm just, I can so clearly see uh, throughout, throughout the story as Daniel, Aaron, whoever you have, whoever, whatever you call the character as they're like that, that, that they sing as they're practicing the eulogy and they have the cards out. And, My father was an exceptional man. And then when it hits that point, because he's trying to give the eulogy, um uh peter dinklage has is trapped in the coffin with their father and has awoken from his drug pass not he gets knocked out he falls and hits a table on his hits his out a table uh and meanwhile daniel slash aaron is trying to finally give this eulogy and ends up shouting so i'm imagining where the actor just finally in the midst of all this chaos belts this out it's like my father was an exceptional man and there's like other there's so many other situations in this that i think lend themselves to musical comedy <laughs> a naked man on the roof <laughs> um sure you know i mean like you know there's going to be a song called that's not valium <laughs> yeah um so I think it really would lend itself well to uh, to a musical and that you I don't think you'd be limiting yourself necessarily to cult to like culture in that way. And you just tell tell the story and have some songs and, and make it a, a musical. All right. I see. Those are my those are my and that that, of course, and the. um Oh, the the Downton Abbey, Death the Downton funeral. Abbey. Yeah, let's not. That's a good I, one. Yeah, I don't know if I've mentioned. I think I have mentioned it before, but not in a while. But uh, I'm I'm a pretty big Downton Abbey fan. Have not seen the <laughs> new movie. I do love though that that in a in a cinematic world where basically we we have uh, franchises for the most part, aside from the few that 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 break out your, you know, everything everywhere all the time and massive, uh, all at once. Thank you very much. Yeah, yes. The I'm, unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. Dan, I'm riffing. On. I'm riffing. I don't, I don't have these in front of me, but <laughs> in a world of where everything is like special effects loaded franchises that there's a Downton Abbey film franchise. <laughs> you know, there's an audience for everything. Um, 
I love it. Downton Abbey is awesome. Downton Abbey, it's wildly successful. And they're finding new ways to tell these stories and to incorporate this family. And, you know, it started off as this thing that's, you know, really about the divide between the upstairs and the downstairs and all that. And, you know, melding those worlds together. And it's kind of taken its its own new direction and uh and you yeah. bring in a death at a funeral to downton abbey and you've got a winner on your hands oh i mean just imagine what maggie smith would say <laughs> she'd come up with some amazing gems so it couldn't be her funeral is what is what i'm saying no 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 i would be i think i think it would be carson or the, the head butler or it's somebody else and they're all traveling to go to this relative's funeral and Oh yeah, that's you know. what they do they do I think they're in the Rather French than Riviera killing in, off a character. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 another maybe it's just like some like side character who was in like one of the episodes. It's like oh it, it's like um uh Paul Giamatti played uh the 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 brother of really uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth McGovern's characters because th- when uh, I, I think it was for one of the weddings where, yeah, Shirley MacLaine played her mother and Paul Giamatti played her brother and they came for like one episode. My goodness. So maybe okay. that's who it would be is it Paul Giamatti. <laughs> sure. Who I love. He's great. So, John, what's your death at a funeral? Well, when I first, when I was watching these movies, I wanted to see if... It was an adaptation from a play because it felt very much like a stage play. It it all takes place really at one location with the exception of like the very beginning. But for the most part, it's really all just in different rooms in this one house. And the, the pace of it felt like a play. I... Uh, a lot of it just felt like that to me. And when I saw that it wasn't, I was very surprised. And I think that it would work great as a play. I wasn't thinking musical. I was just thinking like a farcical little comedy, uh, you know, little a little romp, if you will. And yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I just think it could work really British well that farce. way. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I think that it'd be really easy to just like mix up you know where what the nationality is and what the you know setting is exactly and it it's doesn't so- need to be the exact same everything but and and I think that it also helps you eliminate some of the maybe more unnecessary moments like I think the poop scene could go uh the, the naked on the roof is it works in the movie, but I feel like you could do something different. That's also a lot of fun um, with that character. I mean, uh, you know, just all the stuff that's happening with that character who's hallucinating <laughs> that entire time. Uh, you know, there's just so much to work with there, and you Which can again, get really creative. Imagine a musical number. Ima- sure. Uh, imagine this guy. <laughs> That yeah, I I think theatrically it, it would definitely work. The musical to me, it's 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 adding that something new. But I I think that like you said, it's it's a translatable story, and this is where the the 2010 version I think really missed an opportunity to actually translate the story. 
Yeah, and, and honestly, it maybe it is a musical, but it's only a musical for the character who's on hallucinogens. Maybe he's the only one who's singing. Maybe he's the only one who gets songs because he's in a different he's in a different play. <laughs> he's just singing songs from other No, he's singing songs that are relevant to this, but like he exists in a different plane than what everyone else is doing, you know? Right. So right. uh I don't know. That's where that's where I am with it. I I really loved watching, you know, Matthew McFadden's character. Uh it's always fun to watch Peter Dinklage, but I didn't care for his character and I was a little surprised that he reprised his role in this other version of it. Um I thought that Chris Rock was really good as his role. Um I liked seeing him be a little bit more subdued and just doing a little bit more like, you know, it's not like acting, 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 but it's doing something different than what he normally does. Well, I, I have to say, Chris Rock, if uh, looking at the roles that he's done, especially on film, but also in shows like Fargo. Chris, oh, yeah. Chris Absolutely. Rock has done. I, I can more, most of the Chris Rock roles I can think of, even the comedic ones are more subdued i think about down down to earth uh that, i was just thinking of that one too yeah head of state i mean where some head of, of the, state. some of the situations are a little outlandish but i think chris rock always grounds his performances in i think in reality i think he's fantastic and i i feel like he's often underutilized i uh, i mean he definitely had i think in the early aughts like a a bigger boom but Oh well, between uh, his he had his show, absolutely. like the Chris Rock show is huge. Yeah, and everybody hates Chris. Everybody, and then oh yeah, but you're you know you mentioned Fargo. I mean, his role in Fargo was absolutely fantastic. He was yeah. so good in that. Not that we ever talk about that show and how great it is, but no, you know, man, we really should. <laughs> oh, you know who's in that great actor? Don't know if we've ever talked about Jesse Plemons is in the Jesse season. Plem that. Have you ever, Jesse have you heard Plemons. Jesse Plemons. <laughs> He's really you know he always delivers. When do we get a season five of Fargo? That's what I want to know. You know what? It'll come when it's meant to come. You're right. You're so right. Uh, so speaking about Jesse Plemons always delivering, uh, I'd like to plug our T Public store in which we have a shirt dedicated to, or not just a shirt, merch dedicated to Jesse Plemons. Um, but uh, a, a bunch of other things that are a lot of fun. Please check it out. Uh, we do have a link tree that includes that in our episode description. And we'd love for you to reach out to us, ruinchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Um, we, we love to hear from you. We will certainly, you know, read your emails on the show if we get any in. And uh, yeah, Dan, is there anything you want to uh, mention before we talk about what we're doing on the next episode? No, I'm excited to talk about what we're doing on the next episode. I am too. It's a favorite of mine. Is it a favorite of yours? It is a fa it is a favorite of mine. Like I, it, it's one of those where it does it. It's not going to pop up on my like all time top ten list. But this is a movie that I've watched several times since I first saw it on VHS back in the nineties, and uh, just and it's one of those movies that I think even after the first time I saw it, I could come back at you with quotes and um you know, just describe my favorite scenes in it. So uh, excited to talk about it next week. It's 1996's Flirting with Disaster, directed by David O. Russell, starring Ben Stiller, Patricia Arquette, Taya Leone, Alan Alda, Lily Tomlin, Mary Tyler Moore, George Siegel, uh, 
I uh, got David Patrick Kelly. <laughs> Alan Alda, who is also fantastic in the aforementioned Wanderlust. Yes. And uh, I also, you know, we are, we're talking a lot, you know, during the months of May and June, we got Mother's Day and Father's Day. And, you know, we're talking about family, like, mm. you know, mo- movies that feature complicated family dynamics and flirting with disaster you know, just to kind of tee it up a little bit, you know, it is about this guy who's trying to track down his biological parents, and uh, it is really astounding. <laughs> and I, I'm excited to watch it again. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Absolutely. Well, uh, and and we'll be talking all about it on the next episode. Yep. Well, Dan, as uh, you are. Jeez, I don't think I have anything. As you are trying as I'm to delivering find... the wrong body to a funeral. No, uh... no, no. As you are trying to find a good parking space at the funeral, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Yeah.